Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, cool cats and kittens. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Happy Monday. We've made it another week. I would imagine locked inside your domicile, but still we've done it. It's becoming reality. I got to count how many podcasts. Maybe next week I'll count how many uh, episodes of Not Sam Wrestling. That's how I count the weeks. It's been since we've all been uh, locked up. But regardless, I'm helping you keep track of knowing what day of the week it is. It's Monday. Happy Not Sam Wrestling Day. Let's start the week with some wrestling talk, huh? It's going to be a fun one. A lot to talk about. Of course, uh, check the podcast feed. If you missed, uh, I put Thursday morning, I put out a bonus podcast for everybody that subscribes. And even if you don't subscribe, you can just go to the feed. I put out a podcast uh, kind of going over all the releases and Black Wednesday and and what a terrible day it was for WWE at the same time. Uh, talked about uh, Howard Finkel because that news had just broken immediately before I recorded the show uh, on Thursday. So we're going to try to uh, get to some uh, brighter topics today, I think. That was kind of a bummer of a show. But I will tell you that for the Patreon people, I decided to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, and for the people who are not Sam Shills over at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling, they have all been exposed to something that the rest of you have not yet heard about. And that's the newest, uh, wrestling promotion on the block. I launched a promotion called not Sam wrestling backyard wrestling. And I booked my entire first show based on the WWE's releases, uh, as an exclusive podcast over on Patreon Feedback was very good. I feel like I'm just going to keep this promotion going, and that's going to be one of the bonuses of being a Not Sam Shill, as you will get to follow along what happens every month uh, in Not Sam Wrestling Backyard Wrestling. It's a promotion that exists exclusively inside my brain, but it's booked very well. So check that out if you want to check it out. Uh, I did, though, bring up a story that has since uh, somebody posted the video on Twitter. I reposted it on my Twitter account. And I wanted to share the audio with you uh, here this week. This is the story I was talking about a few years back. Uh, I did a live show. It was one of the Summer Sam shows uh, right before SummerSlam at Caroline's on Broadway. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were two of my guests. And Luke Gallows told a story and did an impression of The Fink, which I'm so glad we've preserved on video forever. But this was just such, to me, a perfect tribute to The Fink. Uh, here's the audio. Uh, story about when Fink called you and told you you work in Kane? Nope. Please. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in developmental, and I was again I was really I was 21, and um, you know they wanted to look at my character or whatever, so I get the 203 call and I'm in the grocery store, and it's the Fink, but like I think that it's a joke because he goes, "Hello, this is Howard Finkel." <laughs> Excuse me? This is Howard Finkel. 
oh man, really? And it, yes. <laughs> you are booked on this weekend's live event series, and you'll be taking on Kane. <laughs> but you're still going like, he's got his ring announcer voice <laughs> on the phone. Like this guy's more awesome than I yeah. could ever imagine. So then he's like, you know, he's doing the travel at this point. He's not ringing out and stuff anymore. So he's like, your hotel will be the Marriott. And you will pick up your rental car from budget. So like, he's, and I'm going, okay, great. So then I'm like, okay, it's not a joke. This is great. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate it. I'm going to do my best. And then right before we hang up, he goes, oh, and one more thing. Watch out for that joke slam. <laughs> and then click, right? Yeah. So I immediately called my trainer. I go, is this real? And he goes, yeah, it's real. You don't want to go? Yeah, I want to go. I don't know, man. Relax. It didn't sound real, though. Yeah, it didn't sound real. I mean, what a great story. Um, And you could see the whole interview on the YouTube channel and and whatever. It's up in the podcast archives forever. But uh, I just loved it. And I was so glad that somebody had clipped that video and posted it. It's on my Twitter account if you want to check it out. Um, So, you know, before we get into I'm going to go... deep into the concept of this year's Money in the Bank ladder match with my guest, uh, my buddy Kaz Kazim, who uh, he's big in the wrestling community. His Twitter is great. He was a writer for the WWE, uh, and he does a whole bunch of stuff on the internet, and he has a podcast. Um, but we, he and I are going to do a lot of talking about this concept because it was announced. So I saw on the internet that there was a ring being set up on the roof of Titan Towers there in Stanford, Connecticut. And by the way, I'm going to tell you guys this, okay? And I'm not going to tell anybody else. So keep this under your hats. Uh, two days ago, on, well, no, yeah, two days ago, on Saturday, well, I needed to get the family out of the house. You know, we've been quarantined up, locked up. Sometimes you just got to escape those four walls. So I got my wife, and I packed the kids in the car, and I said, let's just go for a drive. Let's let's go for a drive. We'll drive around for an hour or so and just get out of the house, look out of the window. We could see the real world for a change. It was like, okay, plus the kids will nap. It'll be great. I drove to Titan Tower to see if there was a ring on the top of that goddamn roof, and there was not. <laughs> I did. That's where I ended up. I mean, look, I didn't. I looked from the highway. It's not that far away, but I did. I drove to see if I could find a roof, uh, a ring on the roof of that of that building. And I did not see a ring yet, but that's not to say there won't be one because apparently there will be one, at least one. Uh, The Money in the Bank ladder match is going down like the movie The Raid. The superstars are going to start in the lobby of the building, WWE's headquarters, and they're going to go up four stories onto the roof. I'm imagining there'll be a ring up there and a championship uh, title opportunity packed into a briefcase hung above that ring, and that's where they'll finally be able to capture that championship contract. I mean, I love the idea. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I I think it's going to be done cinematically the same way Boneyard Match was done, not the same way uh, Firefly Funhouse was done because that was a little bit metaphorical and trippy. But I think the way the Boneyard Match was done, you know what I mean, the way it's almost like a film, I I would imagine that that's how they're going to be shooting Money in the Bank inside the office building. And I mean, it's so funny because at first I was like, oh, I guess they're doing this because they're just going to trash their building because they're moving headquarters soon. But then I was like, wait, they're not moving headquarters soon. They've delayed that because of Corona. So 
I don't know how much damage is going to be done in that building. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be hysterical. I think it's going to be hella entertaining. Uh, and I think it's also interesting that there's probably not that many people that are in that building. You know, I'd say getting those eight men and then getting those eight women in that building to have a match is probably some of the busiest activity that that building has had in a month or so. So, I mean, we'll talk a lot about it later on in the show. Uh, but, you know, coming off of WrestleMania, a lot of people, I think, thought that that we would hit the pause button, at least to some extent, coming off of WrestleMania. A lot of people, I think, myself included, thought that the goal was to get to WrestleMania and then reassess once we're there. But no, I mean, WWE has made it clear that they plan on continuing new storyline-driven programming for the foreseeable. And... uh they announced, I think, last week that they were not going to do... I think the first plan, if I remember correctly, was that they were going to do a bunch of taped shows last weekend. Like, not yesterday, the weekend before that. And that weekend, they decided not to. And they taped SmackDown, but they just start, started. They decided to start running live again. So they started running... They did Raw, NXT, and SmackDown all live this week. And I think they're going to be live next week, too. I don't know. But I guess I guess the news came out that they've now switched plans again and they're going to adjust the schedule. So some weeks they'll be live and some weeks they won't. I think they're going to try to group all of the tapings into uh, blocks like Monday and Tuesday. They'll just tape a bunch of stuff for the week or for two weeks or three weeks or however long they end up doing it. You know, I think the idea that companies that are still uh, producing content while all this is happening are having to fly by the seat of their pants a little bit is not exactly shocking. You know, I love that WWE keeps finding uh, alternatives to hopefully do it in a safe way. You know, I mean, look, you could have as much going for you as you want. You could have the best of intentions as you want. If you're not doing things safely in a time like this, you're going to get pulled down. There's too many people invested. You know, it's not going to happen. So... You know, I like that WWE is staying in business. I like that AEW is staying in business. I like that UFC is trying to figure out ways to stay in business. You know, it's tough. It's tough. But like I've said before, even with all these releases, the WWE has to keep the company successful for all the people that, that are still working, you know? And so that there's a good company that after we get out of this and the economy does what the economy does and brings us back up, that some of those people can get hired back. Um, but I, I, I am impressed, I'll say, by the amount of storyline that we're seeing, that we're not just kind of phoning it in and going like, well, you know, it's good enough that we're on the air. We're actually seeing some real story. Like I, I, I was like scratching my head a little bit. I, I feel like the raw after WrestleMania, even though you had your moments, you know, you had Apollo Crews' big moment, you had Nia Jax's return, you had your Bianca Belair debut. I still feel like that show, as I watch it, especially with the main event being being Drew from when Big Show from, you know, the night before, I feel like there's a good chance that that show was taped without a real idea of what are we doing going forward. You know, I have I I have a hunch that that show was taped without a real knowledge of whether or not shows were going to continue, whether or not Money in the Bank was even going to happen. I feel like the shows since then, well, 
Yeah, starting with SmackDown. Not NXT so much because I think NXT was a part of that that grouping where they were like, look, if we have to put a bow on it, let's put a bow on it. Because a bow was put on it by the end of that Raw and then for NXT by that episode of NXT, last week's NXT. Well, I guess the week before last. It was, or no, last week. It was, I'm getting all confused. No, it was the week before last. Raw a week ago. NXT a few days ago and SmackDown on Friday was when stuff, I guess maybe even the SmackDown before that, because the SmackDown before that was the one that was taped, but that's the day that the decision was made to bring things live. And I feel like that's when the decision was made to look, we're going full force on this. We're putting out our content. And I mean, I think that seeing uh, Timothy Thatcher and Killer Cross who has a new name. It's not Killer Cross. He's got a t-shirt out. And uh, Killer Cross's name is now Carrion Cross. Seeing Timothy Thatcher and Carrion Cross debut on NXT, I think really helped to dull the pain of the people who got released that day, you know, knowing it. It was at least some good news. Um, and then the stuff that's happened since then, you know, I think that Friday... First, I think last Monday, I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that Raw has a really good main event picture going forward. I love Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. I think Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre is just a big deal main event championship title rivalry, especially with Seth Rollins being where he's at now and Drew McIntyre being where he's at now. I feel like from January until now, the two people that have taken the journey that has been most successful for their careers are Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre on opposite ends. Seth Rollins turning heel and doing what he's done, you know, and I love that he's, he's going full force on this thing that he is. He's got the robe on. He's got the whole thing. He is going full Messiah. So that I think is incredible. And Drew, I mean, has won everybody over. You have a clear cut, good guy and a clear cut, bad guy and their main event level players. And I love it. I think Drew versus Seth is a great main event for Raw. Um, I told you last week how I felt about The Fiend versus Braun Strowman. But, interesting, it's going to be Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman at the pay-per-view, not The Fiend. I still feel like, of course, there's a Fiend-Braun Strowman match coming, and maybe this is just a step before we get there. But interesting that that's the choice being made. Um, But... I felt like SmackDown was a huge step forward. I thought it was a very eventful SmackDown. I think having Money in the Bank qualifying matches over the next few weeks on both shows is going to really be a positive for both shows. Uh, I think the fact that people seem excited about the Money in the Bank match because it's happening at Titan Towers is definitely a positive. And I think a huge positive was what Sonya Deville did this week. I think Sonya Deville is in that category of people who you let them cut a promo without an audience and all of a sudden they're shining and they're shining brightly and everybody's talking about it. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm sitting there grossed out. I've got a message for Dana Brooke, for Big E, for Sheamus, for 
what felt like every single person who won a match on SmackDown. Will you please, for the love of God, take Michael Cole's health into consideration? Every single person that won a match on SmackDown went over and touched Michael Cole. Leave the poor guy alone. He spent a month, a month, putting SmackDown on his back as the sole commentator. He's still making all these trips. He is busting ass. He's keeping himself healthy. Please allow him to have some social distance. You're not allowed to gyrate on a person, okay, Biggie? Seamus, I know you're upset, but you can't get in a person's face. And Dana Brooke, I'm sure in other instances, Michael Cole would love to get a hug from you, but not now. Leave the man alone. I swear to God, if I was in charge of things at WWE, I would put up notices, placards, all over the Performance Center that says, do not touch Michael Cole. As a matter of fact, if I was Michael Cole, I would advocate very, very strongly right now to bring back the coal mine. Michael Cole was on top of this a long time ago. If I'm Michael Cole and I'm realizing, look, for whatever reason, we've gotten to a place in time where these sports entertainers, these superstars cannot keep their hands off me. I don't know what it is, but the superstars of SmackDown cannot keep their hands off of Michael Cole. Michael Cole needs to walk into the chairman's office, march into the chairman's office, and say, for the safety of myself and everyone near and dear to me, we've got to bring back the coal mine. We've got to bring back that giant plexiglass box that protected Michael Cole from the violent hands of Jerry the King Lawler. Now, they're protecting him from the entire SmackDown roster. Put the coal mine back up. Save Michael Cole. If I can get one thing done with this podcast in the WWE world, it's to bring back the coal mine and save Michael Cole. Now, there's a lot to get into. I want to get into... Uh, um, I want to get into the Money in the Bank ladder match, do a deep dive into that. I want to talk more about uh, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. I want to get some opinions on theatrical wrestling and wrestling without an audience and how good promos have been and everything like that. So for that, I have a guest this week. I have a conversation to have, and that conversation is with the one and only Kazim. Uh, Kaz has been a buddy of mine for a long time. I will tell you, he did kick me off of a kickoff show one time I will tell you he did do that and you can ask him about that on Twitter he absolutely came to me and said Sam you're not on the kickoff show and I believe he wielded his political influence to get that done and I've never forgiven him for it however the guy is great at coming up with pro wrestling opinions so I figured I'd have him on the show real quick right before we get to Kaz hey you guys are stuck at home I know you are I know you are and you probably have people in your life that expect for you to be able to be up at a moment's notice. And I don't mean awake. I don't mean out of bed. I mean uh, turgid, if that's the right word. I mean physically erect. I mean ready to go. I mean your partner's sitting there going, hey, meet me in the bedroom. And you saying, I had a tough day at work is no longer an excuse. You saying, I'm a little tired is no longer an excuse. All you got is time. Hours of the day don't matter. That means at any hour in the day, you have to be ready to physically satisfy your partner. Hey, I am. It's true. I'm always ready to physically satisfy my partner. I 
could physically satisfy anybody. How do you do that, Sam? You're still doing all this work. You got your YouTube stuff. You got your Not Sam Wrestling podcast. You got your show on Sirius. You got everything else you're doing. How can you possibly be ready at a moment's notice, at any moment's notice, to satisfy absolutely anybody physically? I'll tell you how. Blue Chew. Blue Chew makes it happen for me. You see, Blue Chew are the only folks that bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. They work anytime, day or night. They're chewable. They work twice as fast as some pill, and they're prescribed online. I'm freaking out. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to touch anybody. I don't want to look at anybody. Blue Chew is perfect for that. Not only can you remain socially distant, you never have to be awkward or embarrassed because it's prescribed online by licensed physicians. You never have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at a pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. Even the one person that you see, your male person, you say, leave it on the doorstep. They don't know what they're leaving on the doorstep. It's discreet. You know, it's your boner pills. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Okay? You pop them in, you chew them up, then you're tenting in your pants immediately. And right now, this is the good news. There's a special deal just for listening to Not Sam Wrestling. You can try it for free. That's right. You can get hard as a rock 100% for free. Just visit bluechew.com and your first shipment is free when you use our promo code ROBERTS, R-O-B-E-R-T-S. All you have to do is pay $5 for shipping. That's blue com promo code ROBERTS to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Well, some of you may know our uh, our guest this week, and some of you might not. You should, though. If you're in this internet wrestling world, I would think that by now you know who this man is. He's certainly gone out of his way to to make himself known by putting out content, whether you know it or not, by the way, by being responsible for content that we've all enjoyed. Uh, he now hosts a podcast called Say Less with Kaz. You can find him on Twitter at Kazim, because that's his name. Kazim, Kaz. You're here. Sam, how you doing, brother? Good, man. What's going on? So, so you were you you went Kazim on Twitter because you wanted to be just Kaz, no more like yeah. real life or the real, or you just wanted your name. But then well, Kaz you know, is taken. I was trying to get the guy who owns Kaz, mm-hmm. and he's like plays hardball. Like you, <laughs> he was he was really like trying to like get me to give my firstborn child for the at name. And I'm like, you know, I'll just stick with Kazim. I'm good. <laughs> so like when I was doing, uh, you know, NotSam.com, I had way before like Twitter or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, because somebody else had SamRoberts.com, and they mm-hmm. were like a handbag maker. And I was like, oh, oh my, yeah. And this was early Dude, on. Handbags. Did I what? Do they still make the handbag? Well, one year for my birthday, my wife told me, she was like, I wanted for your birthday to get you samroberts.com. And I'm like, oh, that would have been amazing. And she goes, yeah, so I I found the people who had it, and it was a handbag website. I'm like, I know, I'm familiar with the website. And she goes, so I, I found the number and the who is, and I called them, and I, and you know, I wanted to know if they were interested. And they were like, well, our Sam Roberts... He committed suicide, and we really want to keep the name in the family. Oh my, <laughs> my, my wife is like, oh, okay. Yeah, my wife is like, so uh, how do we like that's a that's a negotiation tactic 
that I don't think is taught anywhere. I don't I don't know. They don't teach you that in business school. No. If anybody ever wants to buy a trademark, they say the guy committed suicide. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jess, oh. I have to be honest. I'm not disappointed that you didn't get the website anymore. You did what you could. <laughs> you did all that was necessary outside of finishing the job yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, well, Kaz, here's what I want to know from you, okay? You're the only person. Well, you're not the only person, but you're one of the few people that can provide insight on this. You were You spent a year. As a writer for WWE, yes. you know literally the inside and outside of the Titan Towers building. Is there a specific room or area that you are hoping gets destroyed at Money in the Bank during the match uh, coming up uh, whenever in a few weeks? There's there's two spots in particular. <laughs> All right. One spot is the cafeteria okay so the cafeteria is much more of a high school lunchroom type of thing and i have just an affinity for wwe food fights so i'm hoping <laughs> yeah. that gets wrecked and just to pop anybody who's ever worked there just to be like oh my god that's where i used to get my chicken salads like that's fantastic and I really, really, really hope they, they, they trash Vince's office. Because <laughs> I don't think a lot of people know this. And uh -huh. you, you'll probably see, like, if you watch, like, Beyond the Mat or, like, any of these old wrestling documentaries, you've seen Vince's office before. But the one thing that you don't see is this giant T-Rex skeleton uh -huh. over his desk. Under it, I'm like, like is he going to <laughs> or a pay-per-view so um it's, it's one of those it's one of those like really really awesome things that you hear about and like just kind of like from the roundabouts of everybody that works there because you know i've never really actually been in defense's office like, probably a good thing by the way probably a good thing yeah oh, yeah absolutely i, I never want to be there I'm, I'm terrified of that place yeah it's like it's, it's literally the bane of my nightmares <laughs> and um it's not like so much where even if you haven't been there before but you know what's in there and you know like before you even get there it has to be like a secretary that says you're allowed to go in and all this other stuff but yes please t-rex skeleton <laughs> braun Strowman, or anybody who's well she's the champ now so i guess uh ray mysterio anybody <laughs> find the t-rex skeleton and break it off somebody's head please but that's that was gonna be my next question are there any hidden dangers or weapons or whatever that people could either utilize or have to watch out for and i guess that t-rex skull is it right the T-Rex skull is like, it's like Legends of the Hidden Temple for me. It's like the shrine <laughs> of the silver monkey. Like, if you could find that and, and either, you should get like, they should really go full video games with it and have like a, a, like a score over the top of their head. And if like it breaks and they put it back together and it opens up some like trap door where like all like the terrible gimmicks that like never made TV are like playing and waiting. Eight, like Mark Jindrak's in there, like <laughs> yeah. all this other craziness. Not it'll be it'll be tight. I mean, you know, there's that place. Right. There is a so like there's also a big room with like nothing but old and like never before seen like WWE toys. What? That, like yeah, like a lot of the marketers come in and like basically in the creative room. Well, from when I was there. One side was like a raw room, a SmackDown room, and there's like, uh, you know, Kapoor's room and Koski and like all like the head writers and stuff. And on one side, the complete other side, is a 
bunch of Marvel selling toys, right? Uh-huh. So, and in that room, there's like some of the, the, you know, the toys that we've all heard of, like the plastic belts and the ladders and the the Mattels and all that other stuff. And then there's stuff that you'll just never ever see, ever. So like, I really think, I really hope they have like some fun with that and like do like Mantar toys, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe those like the the plush buddies and all that type of stuff. Like really go in and turn it into some Legends of the Hidden Temple shit. I'll tell you why I would love that because I'm such a geek, especially a merch and toy geek, that I would sit there. And I go like after the match, I would rewind it and I'd start freeze framing and I'd look at every piece of merch and try to find every little figure. And like, did you guys see this? What? Smart though. It's smart though because it's like, especially if you if you spotlight one of those toys that nobody's ever had or nobody's ever yeah. seen. That in a, in, a, in a segment or, or a bump, all of a sudden that toy becomes comes like real of like merch and like Mattel toys now so you know it's it's they can do some really fun stuff with that if they really go in. that's just my own person I love that idea the only uh the only reservation I have is that I feel like if they exposed uh an, a never before seen toy Zack Ryder would feel like they were just taking a shot at him. Why the pay-per-view after I get released do you have to announce that there's a never-before-seen toy in that closet? That's not fair. This is why he got heat, Sam. This is why he got heat. (laughs) Zack has been a good, great, he's been a great company man his entire career. I don't want them to take any more status. Now now they can't even do the toy spot now. Now it's all because of you. You ruined it. Yep. Because Zack's going to, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people on the internet like talking about, oh my God, they're taking a shot of Zack Ryder now. You know they would. You know, know. And guess why? Guess why they would? Because I'd be I'd be up there going like, you know, the only reason they did this was because Zack Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you become that guy, Sam? Like, how'd you become the guy that like literally every time I, I watch NXT or watch a pre-show, you're trending for something awful? <laughs> like, how, how does this happen to you? I don't know. People don't like to hear opinions sometimes. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, everybody wants to kill Sam Roberts for what reason? I don't. No, I give my opinions. They don't like it. Look, giving an opinion about Bianca Belair was not a good idea for a popularity contest. It wasn't a nice opinion. And I didn't realize her fan base was as strong as it was. But after that point, it was the point of no return. I now, I give my opinions and people really, really, really hate it so yes what can i do and, and you know there is there is uh there is a quality to that there's something i can appreciate for that as a as a person who's, who's a who's a mark for great heels and you have leaned into the heelness and i don't even think you've done it on purpose i think it's just something that like you know i think it's because it's you're so unassuming and like now it's at this point where Oh my gosh! Like anytime, like I see you're commentating or like you're doing a pre-show, and it's just—I know people in wrestling Twitter get like, like some vitriol and get some mean things said about them. I'm like, yo, these, I'm, like, I'm like, are we talking about the same Sam right here? <laughs> like I, the same. Kaz, I don't know if you know, I've become a toxic individual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but it's true. <laughs> uh, feel free, Sam, but you're doing all right. Have Have you and Bianca uh, talked since then? Look, I try to I try to say what I say and then avoid everybody I say it about. So, I, and maybe that makes me a coward. I don't know, but I think that it's the I think it's the smartest thing to do. 
Um, it is. It is. They're, they're very strong and athletic people back there. I would, I would avoid them, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm good <laughs> with my mouth, but I, 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 I don't have any athletic uh, prowess whatsoever. So once we get past the just talking into microphones, I don't bring a lot. I don't offer a lot, you know. So, there you go. So once I'm done with that, <laughs> that's it. Well, how are you? Uh, how are you adjusting as a fan uh, watching this new world of wrestling that we're in? What do you think of uh, audience-free wrestling in general? Well, that's, that's somebody who's always said that the, the biggest threat to wrestling has been wrestling fans. I love it. I'm like, <laughs> keep fans away from shows as long as possible. Like, I mean. Granted, obviously, there's a, a, a core of fans that I'm referring to when I say wrestling fans are the worst thing that happened to wrestling in a long time. But, you know, as a fan that is, you know, I'm coming from the creative standpoint and being somebody who's been there and getting the opportunity to watch a lot of these great writers work without the, the distractions of live crowds and people trying to get them over and being in like certain situations that are controlled so you can see like the nuances of you know voice inflection and not having to yell everything into a crowd and you shut up montreal and all this other shit like you don't got to do any of that it's like the reason why so many of the promos were sold so well for wrestlemania was that there weren't no there wasn't a lot of the best promos had no yelling, was no name calling. It was you could hear it in their voice, you could see it in their eyes. You could really see the difference between the haves and the have-nots of the people who do this for a living. And when you see guys like Randy Orton, Edge, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, some of the best talk, Becky Lynch, some of the best talkers that there has ever been in wrestling and why they're so good at what they do. Being able to do this night in, night out, every arena, every city, every week, and now you put them in a controlled environment that could be edited, that doesn't have a crowd. You really see how good these people are outside of just their physical capabilities. Like, these are people like, you know, Edge obviously has his acting chops from, you know, the time he's taken away from the ring. And Randy Orton's been a natural this entire time. He sold an entire program just talking. I don't think he wrestled a single match from January to to April. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, it, and it's special to me. Like, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm, I know I'm alone in this. And, you know, in the same way, and, and I said this on my, on my podcast earlier this week. It's really separated the talent level from AEW and, and WWE to me because, you know, granted, yeah, Cody's going to be fine. The Young Bucks will be fine. Um, you know, a lot of these guys will be fine. But now you're starting to see, you know, why the Performance Center was so groundbreaking because a lot of these people have been practicing in front of these controlled environments for years before they were even brought up to television. And now you see... Okay, well, is AEW Dynamite a great show, or are their fans just fucking insane and I hype up everything? Granted, there's something to love. There's something great to love about that. Just seeing the intensity and the passion of AEW fans, like that's fun to me. I love seeing that. But stripping all that away, all the bells and whistles, now you can really see the difference between the talent on both sides of those companies. So me. I love it. I think it's been I think it's been really fun to watch and really enjoyable. Yeah, I think that number one, I hope that what we take away from this is that we don't need to do all these promos in the ring. That that we mm. can do like that we can figure out we should I think that a lot of people should be doing promos. Let's figure out how to not get them in front of an audience. Because right. you're right, like 
the promos leading up to WrestleMania, first it was Edge and Orton, and you were like, oh my God. Like, they were already having promos of their careers when Raw was still in front of an audience. But when they got to the Performance Center, the promos got better. And then you look at Rollins, and Rollins has the best promo that he's had in two years, easy, against Kevin Owens. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, like that promo was so good. It's going to hurt Kevin Owens. And then Kevin Owens comes back the next week and delivers his promo. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then when I really know that this is not a fluke and when I really know that this is not just like, okay, well, those are four of the best dudes ever. Like, yeah, they're going to do good promos. Is you Sonya Deville. Come on. You turn on SmackDown this week. Completely bodies Friday Night SmackDown. And I'm just like, you know, this is it. Like, this is it right here. Like, granted, when things go back to normal, obviously, I'm going to love it when fans are back together and back in arenas and all that type of stuff. But it's really going to separate the the talent gap from so many people. Like, I'm sitting here compelled by a promo by Sonya Deville. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying nothing wrong with Sonya Deville. She's super talented. But I just never thought I would get to that point. Right. And seeing her just... You know, the Mandy and Otis storyline, really fun storyline, really got got to sink my teeth into it. Great stuff. And now we're we're seeing this whole side of like the B characters of that of that storyline. And now it's like, holy crap, now I want to see Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville go at it. Where as a couple of weeks ago, I really did it. And so, and, and, and look, I mean WWE has been in this spot where as much as the women's revolution has been successful, right? And as much as you get this main event for a WrestleMania that deserves to be a main event, it's not a politically correct thing. And and right. and you get stars like Becky Lynch and Charlotte and everybody else that's like legitimate stars that are just as big, if not bigger, than every guy on the roster. But with that moment, to me, I still feel like WWE is hurting when it comes to female rivalries that are not based on a title storyline rivalries between two women with no title that's just a grudge match. Like, those are super, super rare. And I feel like you're right that the audience now, and this thing could have gotten stale, by the way. We've got our moment. We had Mandy and Otis together at WrestleMania. You can end on it. That can, yeah. that that's the, it was a perfect, perfect moment. By the way, that moment is one of those moments where if you did do it in front of an audience, oh, the stadium would have collapsed. It would have been Literally, so huge. Next to, next to Drew winning the title, yeah. that was the next moment where I was like, God, that really deserved 80,000 people. Yeah. That really did it. But I don't think, I, I don't think, and I love, I think Sonya Deville's a, this amazing talent. I don't think that that segment would have been anywhere near as successful as it was in front of an audience. I don't think an audience would have allowed it to happen. I don't think an they audience wouldn't. would have given it's Sonya Deville the time. Terrible, Sam, yeah. they're terrible. This is <laughs> like, you would you would have got a bunch of what chance. Yep. You would have got people not reacting. You would have had I mean the, it affects the talent too, you know what I mean? Yep. Like they're not going to deliver it as well because you know, you can't change voice inflections. You can't talk like this and then, and then, and then, you know what I mean? Like you can't like change levels to show, you know, certain intensity or so re- regret or show like, you know, the whole way she's, she was talking that whole time, you know, obviously you knew that the swerve was coming, but you can't pull that off with a live crowd because, no. You know, just the the science of it, the the noise, the crowd understood. Um, and you said it earlier. You know, now I really hope that the WWE and AEW focus a lot of their promos either backstage or 
or days in advance. Like I know I, I poo pooed on a lot of the AEW promos, but I think Jericho has been killing it with like the bubbly brunch yeah. and like all this other stuff. Like I think that's been great, but you know, now it's really started to, to, to hone in on what really makes people want to watch you wrestle. Yeah. And, and it's these promos and it's being able to let people in emotionally and it's going to help so many storylines because at the end of the day, like, and this is just me, like, I could be totally off base here, but, like, I really don't care who's really champion right now. I mean, like, there's not really, I mean, Drew's got the title, but I don't want to see anybody else take it off of him, like, and Braun, whatever, like, that's great. And, and you know, and uh, the titles are important, but what gets people coming back is those stories, like you said, that aren't necessarily tied to a title that has people wanting to see somebody elevate, see somebody get their comeuppance, see somebody, you know, uh, go at it for the next week or two. Because at the end, and just as a, as a matter of circumstance, there's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of talent pool to play with right now. So you're going to see a lot of matches over and over again or certain variations of matches with the same people. How are you going to keep me interested? And now with this, you know, unforced circumstance, this is how they've reacted to it. And I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even mind, you know, I don't mind so much airing old matches. I don't mind going to tape and like showing a full match from a pay-per-view. I loved, for instance, my favorite one they did was when they put on the uh, 2015, I want to say, Royal Rumble triple threat between Ooh. Seth, Cena, and Brock, because that's one. Best triple threat match ever. Nobody talks about it. People have kind of forgotten that it happened. Like, And I thought I thought it was, I remember I was there. You were probably there too. It was yeah, great. Was yeah. it, it, it was so, so good. But I think some of that stuff is good. And as much as I think us hardcores were going like, are we really going to sit through a 90-minute, a two-hour Royal Rumble match here on television? I can't tell you how many people talk to me that aren't, you know, hardcore wrestling fans, but know enough and are entertained by it that we're like, hey, that was really cool that I got to see the Royal Rumble last night. I liked that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so if you're putting on some pre-tape matches that are, you know, that are older, like archive matches, but we know there's going to be some money promos coming here that are going to lead us to a pay-per-view, and we know at the pay-per-view there's going to be stuff, right? Like, we already know. I love. I like. I think it's amazing because I wasn't sure how the fans were going to react. But when they announced, because I had read on the internet that they were setting up a ring on the roof of Titan Towers. And I was like, hell yes. Because I remember yes. as a kid when they put the ring on the roof for the Raw intro. And I was like, oh, God, like years. I was like, wow, I wish I was there. I wish I could have seen it. I want to watch Raw on the roof of this building. Um and I was like, oh, they must be filming like a really cool intro or something like that. And then when they announced that the Money in the Bank ladder match was going to be like the raid and they were going to have to fight all the way up the building and then go on the roof, like I was freaking out going like, that's amazing. And then I looked at Twitter and generally it was an overall, I would say, positive response. That, And I think that that's because of how good the uh, cinematic stuff at WrestleMania was. But, yeah. but I think people got super excited about the fact that, okay, we're not going to just watch a ladder match in the performance center. We're going to see something different. Yeah. I think, um, as good as the triple threat ladder match at WrestleMania was, mm -hmm. 
and and I, I talked to Chris Van Bleet, who did my podcast earlier today. He was like, I talked to Morrison, and it's like, yo, it hurts ten times as more to go through a ladder when there's not eighty thousand people screaming. <laughs> yeah, that's like, actually it's funny because like when I was watching it, that was my reaction to it. I was like, there's something about like I watched that going. If this was in front of an audience, it would be a, an amazing ladder match. Right. But there's something about just watching a ladder match without an audience where you go, why are these guys doing this? They shouldn't do <laughs> Why are you doing that? <laughs> like, is it worth it? Is it yeah. worth it? Like, why, yeah. why, why? This hurts. This hurts me watching you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is one of the first things uh, that I've seen in a while announced by WWE ahead of time that – even the snarkiest of the most curmudgeonous internet fans were like, this is going to be cool. This is like, <laughs> it feels like Die Hard with yeah. like wrestling twist to it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're fighting up to the top of the building and you said it like the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match were so well received. Now it was like, as soon as that was done, I was like, wow, okay, that was cool. Mm. Now they know they could pull that off. And now they're going to pull that off to a lot of critical reception. People are going to watch it. And, you know, I, I think the talent is it was excited for it, too. Now they're like, oh, man, I want to do a Firefly Funhouse match. I want to do a Boneyard match. I want to see Undertaker <laughs> staying in a Boneyard match. Because you, like you don't have to take any bumps. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, it, it preserves careers. Like, it, it, it it's entertaining. Like, you can kind of, like... It could be like this weird sort of canon world that doesn't necessarily exist in like the four sides of the ring inside a TV studio type of thing. Like it's like okay, AJ Styles is just like dead for now, right? Like this is the thing, <laughs> that, and John Cena just is kind of like floating in like imaginary space right now. And it all makes sense because wrestling's already crazy. Right, wrestling's already like this like weird wacky world that only exists to us like maniacs that like watch it and love it for a living. Now it's like, okay, you can actually advance storylines like this now. Like now you can do, you're doing the money in the bank ladder match. And maybe, and and I, I saw like the poster, like, are they going to do like the, the men's and women match at the same time? Because it was like, it was too, it, it's two briefcases. I'm like, oh, are they going to do, like, is it going to be like some, like, some, some World War Three thing from WCW where like that <laughs> Two, two rings, one roof. Yeah, like, I'm I'm legitimately intrigued. And for as many like film and TV guys that they hire that are you know that have done some like you know legit stuff like legit like Emmy winning stuff, why not put them to work to do that? Like yeah. this is what you hire them for. Like this is you wanted Hollywood people, you wanted TV people, you wanted folks that have this sort of background. Why not let them get a little crazy? And, like, make your own version of Die Hard with wrestling in it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm glad we don't have to wait, like, a whole nother year for, like, one of these, like, gimmick cinematic matches. Because that was another one of my, my fears. I'm like, okay, they're only doing this because it's WrestleMania. I'm like, oh, no. They're going to be doing this now. Yeah. Which is really fun. And it's interesting because it has, they haven't been that great in the past. Like, the... The remember when like Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton oh, had their yeah. match and it was just like it it didn't hit. You're like this is yeah, just it was, it, like, it was like the sister. They put like the house on fire and he did like the pose and it was like yeah. And even the like even the even when the New Day had that six man with the Wyatt family at the Wyatt farm, it was like it wasn't like horrible, but it was just like it it was just kind of there. Hit. It didn't hit. 
It didn't hit. And yeah. then I, I would definitely say that, um, you know, I think they, they have they got Jeremy Barash back there, who was a big part of the final deletion. Yeah. Uh, TNA. And I think that helps a lot. And on top of that, like we've kind of been conditioned to to see these type of things and not feel like it's so out of the ordinary now. You know what I mean? Like Lucha Underground, a lot of, you know, Shane, uh, uh, Swerve Scott, Ricochet, yep. you know, a lot of these guys have come out of Lucha Underground and done some great stuff out of there. MVP as well. Um, you got, you know, the stuff that was Matt Hardy in the, the, the final deletion and House Hardy and all that type of stuff. Like, yeah. We're conditioned to like cool off-site wrestling stuff now. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, what if you could do that with the same people who made that really work with the WWE budget? Like there's no reason why it shouldn't work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so um obviously, I mean, I know they're good they're gonna they're gonna whiff one day. You know, what I mean they're two for two right now. Like and I guess like two for three if you count like the Gargano uh uh chop choppa stuff, which was like not necessarily super cinematic, but a little, little yeah. different pre-tape, whatever. Yeah. But you know, there's there's no reason for it not to work now because right. you're taking all the creativity of what made these things worth work on a shoestring budget, and now you're putting billionaire bucks behind it. So we'll see, man. I'm really excited for it. I, it's interesting that you say that about having the two matches going on at the same time because it's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, so not even just in terms of. Well, if you already smashed this building up, what are you going to do when you have to do another match in it? Just in terms of, of audience appetite, like it's it would be so difficult, I find. Like it, it, already, right, when they did the Boneyard match and people were like, this was – people literally – I spoke to people that were like, that was The Undertaker's best WrestleMania match. And I'm going – I'm going – I'm like – since WrestleMania 25. I mean, I, that's what that I said. I'm like, what about WrestleMania? What about Shawn Michaels? Like, wait, it was literally the greatest match of all time. That was the outside of that match. Yeah, that was the best use of the Undertaker I've seen in God knows how long. Like, I, granted, I, it was a, WrestleMania 25 and 26, great matches. Yes. Even 28, great match, Hell in a Cell, fantastic match. But an actual use of a guy yeah. that you only have. Like, it's not like you know you can have other. Other wrestlers can give you great matches like that, but you have a guy who we have conditioned our brains enough to be like, okay, he's an undead mortician who's a biker <laughs> and married and loves tigers. Uh, yeah, and has tigers <laughs> and all that. Like we conditioned our brain enough to, for that stuff just because it's the Undertaker. So you have this great, uh, you know, you got this great chess piece that you can use for this great technology, and now. You're looking at all of these old timers and these Hall of Famers who aren't necessarily. You don't necessarily want to see take a bump, mm-hmm. but you'd be interested in watching them. Like, yeah, you're still, still a part of television somehow. You're still in love with the characters. Yes, like you. And when you can, when you can figure out an environment where you can utilize the character without making. Because I think that's the thing with the Undertaker, right? Nobody is sick of the Undertaker character, and if you are sick of the Undertaker character, you're you're nobody to speak to. Like you're, you're just yourself. yeah, you're kidding <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's you sick. Come in, as soon as you hear the gong and the slow walk out, you're sold. So <laughs> right, nobody's sick of the Undertaker character. I think it's when it, people get upset about Undertaker matches because they lose sight of the character and they start worrying about the health of the man. So when you can figure out a way of presenting matches where you're just utilizing the character really and not the man at all. 
then I think people can get wrapped up in it in a whole different way. Um, I think that the thing about that uh, uh, Boneyard match was expectations were low, I think. I mean, just based on the name. When it hit that hard, people were like, okay, that was amazing. Expectations just went through the roof for Firefly Funhouse, and there's no way they're going to be able to follow it. And then the Firefly Funhouse, for me anyway, hit so hard. that I'm oh. sitting there watching Drew and Brock, and I'm watching Drew had his moment, and I go, so John Cena is Hogan. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching that. I'm just like, this is, this is, like, if you ever need to express to somebody why pro wrestling is art. Yeah. Like, I can literally show them that and be like, yo, this 10 minutes tells the entire story arc of John Cena. It's almost like a tribute to him, but, like, it yeah. is brilliant. It was yeah. great. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, I'm watching it. I'm watching the Boneyard match, and I'm like, if I'm Sting right now, uh-huh. how badly <laughs> do I want to just get a nice little rewrite? Like, there's still the one Undertaker match that we haven't seen yet. We know he wants to go out with it, but he wants to do one more match. We know he's hurt, and we don't want him to to, to seriously hurt himself, so we don't want it to be hard to watch. Like, if I'm Vince, if I'm any of those guys, WrestleMania 37 in, in Hollywood, Los Angeles, whatever, I am pulling out the Brinks truck to make Undertaker's thing be the last thing that you see in Hollywood for WrestleMania. Like yeah. it's, it's, And it's in Hollywood, know. so you got the cinematic tie-in. You could do it in a crow's nest match instead of a boneyard <laughs> match, whatever you want to call it. Just make it equally as cool. And I, and I want I also want a 10 Fast, 10 Furious match between the Rock <laughs> and John Cena where they just like chase each other in sports cars. Awesome. I love it. Is like, that's what I want. I love it. Hey, sorry to interrupt my conversation with Kaz, but did you know that you could get more content and less interruptions? It's true, but only if you're a Not Sam Shill. You can be a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling is the exclusive home to Thursday Not Sam Thursday every single week. If you are a Not Sam Shill at any level, you will get a bonus episode of Not Sam Wrestling every week. It's less than a dollar a week, and you get that show. This week, I booked my own promotion, and I'm going to continue to do that, but only for the Not Sam shows. You also will be able to watch the show live as it happens, a live feed into the Not Sam Wrestling studio every single time I record the podcast. You're going to get the videos first. You're going to get access to exclusive merchandise and you're going to get access to one of the coolest features on the Patreon site, and that's the Discord room. A Discord room where you can talk to Not Sam Wrestling listeners 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You could talk about wrestling. You could talk about Tiger King. You could talk about the Branch Davidians. I saw that going on. Whatever you want to talk about, it's all going on in a community of people who all love each other. It's an incredible thing, but you can only be a part of that community if you're a true Not Sam shill Join today starting at less than a dollar a week at patreon.com slash not Sam wrestling. So, so I, but that's what, that's what I'm, where I'm thinking now. I'm like, okay, I have full faith that they can deliver on a money in the bank match in which they start in the lobby of Titan tower and go to the roof. What I wonder about is how do they present this for the women and the men? Is this something that 
We open the show with a Titan Tower Money in the Bank match, and we also close the show with a Titan Tower Money in the Bank match. We're now at the point where, okay, we got two cinematic matches, but the fact that it's the same match, you really, you can't shoot them differently, right? You right. can't make one kind of David Lynch metaphors and one, like you have to do two action movie type cinematic matches, both in the same environment. And I wonder what that looks like. I mean, if I'm if I'm there, like if I was in that writer's room, I, like I said, I make sure that those bad boys are happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you give it like the Roddy Piper gold dust uh, backlot brawl type of deal where, you know, you still have your universal title matches and WWE title matches and tag team title matches in the <laughs> performance center or wherever it's happening. But like after every match or like in between every match. Oh my God. Because you, you've been, you've been to Titan Tower before. Like you can't fake when it's night out. Right? right. So like if you filmed it during the day or filmed it during at night, like you can't act like it's not happening. Like you have to present it as something that's already happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Same as the Boneyard match, same as uh, the Firefly Funhouse match. So not only do you run it at the same time, you know, you can do concurrent storylines mm -hmm. that have to do with, you know, the men and the women interacting with each other. I feel like that's one thing that doesn't really get uh, done enough outside of the Mandy and Otis and Ziggler and stuff. Like, they kind of teased it with, like, Seth and Becky last year, and it was kind of weird, and they just kind of, like, stopped it. But, like, I've always thought that they should do do more of the interacting between both both uh, brands, not necessarily intergender matches. They don't have to be physical with each other, but like they should play into the fact that like, okay, like Becky Lynch is the women's champion and your, your man Seth Rollins is like a born again, Jesus freak. Now, like you're just not going to notice that. Like, yeah. this, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like she just gives him the up and down. Like what's with the, yeah, like, <laughs> what's with the robe? Just little things like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they don't have to be, Full on storylines, but like to act like these things aren't happening. And credit to Corey Graves because like he kind of plays into it sometimes with like Carmella stuff. And yeah. it's like just acknowledge, right. just acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Like they cross paths in the hallway. Maybe they're both going up in the elevator. And like there has to be points where there's dead time, right? Right. So like you have two guys in the elevator, <laughs> you know, beating each other up. Okay, that's cool. But you know, get me uh, get me a scene where it's like uh, Mandy Rose and. Uh, I don't know, Dolph Ziggler in the elevator going up to, to you know, try and get to the ladder. Yeah. Just like, so, uh... <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> and they're trying to, you know, he's trying to, like, win her back or whatever, and, like, maybe she's she's starting to hear her out, and then the elevator door opens, Otis is there. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many ways you can go with it, you know what I mean? Like, there has to be downtime. I love it. Matches, and you can use that to really push a lot of stories forward. And really make it fun. And look, you you brought up the Hollywood backlot brawl and the presentation of it and how it was paced throughout the evening. The guy is huge on Twitter. He's back on TikTok. I say let's get the OJ Chase footage That's out. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get the white Bronco footage, just like we have for Piper and Goldust. Let's figure out some way to work that in too. How do you think how do you think okay, okay. Now we're in the writer's room, Kaz. How would this go over? I stand up. I go, here's my little idea for a little bit in the match, right? Both matches are happening at the same time. So we've got two rings set up on the roof. We've got two briefcases set up on the roof, right? So the first person to get to the roof is Truth, who's in the match. Mm -hmm. Truth runs to the ring, climbs up the ladder, unhooks it, 
I can't believe I'm the money in the bank. The referee has to tell him truth. That's the wrong briefcase. The wrong briefcase. Put it back. <laughs> Put it back, truth. He's like, oh, my bad. My bad. And, and then you can see the shot, right? He's on top of the ladder. And as he's reclipping, he looks over and you can see, you can't see the ring now that you could see the other briefcase from the height of that ladder. And you can see two other guys fighting for it. And he's like, oh, no, he's got to run over and get it. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is funny. That is, that, I feel like it's going to be really entertaining because, you know, Obviously, they're going to have like a little Easter eggs hidden in there. Like Vince saying like that's such good shit in the, in the Firefly Funhouse match. Just like pop the entire internet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. going to be those those moments. So, all right. So you, I'm in the writer's room. Yes. Got two rings yes. set up, right? Yes. Ladder here, ladder here. I, I, don't know, I don't even know who's in the match yet. We got, uh, we got uh, Alistair Black, I'm assuming, is going to be in there. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, did he have his qualifying match on Raw, or is that this week? Either way, I would imagine Alistair's in the match. Right. I feel like Alistair Black was kind of like my, you know, he was definitely my like no brainer. Put them, put him in the money in bank, like give him the briefcase type of thing. The only thing is, you can't be dark and brooding with a very bright suitcase. No. <laughs> right? But you could, you could go old school, like you know, RVD, paint the briefcase black, and put one of those, you know. Wiccan white logos or something on the briefcase. Spikes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see him like come up from the coffin holding a suitcase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although I kind of feel like, I don't know, there's something hipster about Aleister Black where I feel like he would turn it into a messenger bag, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to cash in his money in the big satchel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he literally hands him the, the, the contract. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like when it comes to money in the bank, uh, Alistair Black seems like a, a one of those shoo-ins mm -hmm. as far as like, you know, you kind of pay attention to the context clues and the way people have been built up and kind of protected. And he seems like one of those guys that, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're going to cross paths. I mean, there's still that Alistair Black, Drew McIntyre, uh, Andrade sort of you know, era of NXT that hasn't really been addressed yep. because of injuries. Yep. And, you know, at that time, the biggest story going on was, uh, I guess, Ricochet and Adam Cole and Tommaso and uh, uh, Gargano. Gargano. Yeah. So um, I feel like there was a, there's a lot of there's a lot of uneaten meat on that bone. You know what I mean? Between they kind of toyed with it a little bit this past Raw with Andrade and uh, and Drew and um you know, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to him and, and seeing what, what what comes of that. I'm hoping Apollo Cruz has another great showing. I think they, they got him a kind of a layup against MVP. And yeah. the, uh, not not to call MVP a layup. No, but, but that's what he's. That's his purpose, I think now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had a he had a great showing with Alistair Black uh, the, at the Raw after Mania, and you kind of tell like, you know, even though it's a different situation and different environment, there's no crowd and all this type of stuff. The Raw after WrestleMania, if you have a good showing at those, that's usually, even if win or lose, that's usually a precursor of or, or, or a projection of, okay, they believe in this guy. They're maybe going to start working something in for him, right? Yeah. So I think Apollo Crews might have, like, a really good showing there. Um, in addition to that, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of been, what's her face? It's been uh, Lacey Evans' time for a while. On SmackDown, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I think Lacey Evans is dope. 
Uh, I'm not the biggest fan, but like I, I see the appeal. I see where they're trying to go with her. And I feel like you either kind of shit or get off the pot with her after a while. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Although what, I mean, speaking of that, like what the hell happened with yeah. Dana Brooke and Naomi on SmackDown? I, I don't know. Like, like what the, what they, the hell? Weren't they homies or something? Like I'm, 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 I'm very confused. Very confused. Uh, I mean, granted, great. Dana Brooke is somebody who works really hard and you know, you, you really want to re reward those type of people. But not having Naomi in a, in, Crazy. A, in, a, in a ladder match, in any sort of like spectacle match where she could show off just how incredibly athletic she is, and she's a two-time SmackDown Women's Champion. Like, that seems like not the best choice. Yeah, I want um, to see her do like parkour on the roof of the building, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a little bit unnerving to me. And, uh, you know, I, I, still, I feel like they're still telling that Sasha Banks story uh -huh. with Bailey and the slow burn. And I feel like we've kind of been here before mm -hmm. with the slow burn with them and we never never really got the payoff. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we get that payoff this time. I'm not really sure. But uh, it, yeah, I mean, you could. I, for me, I feel like the women's money in the bank. Lacey is a, is a good choice just because she's Lacey and you're right. I mean, that's that's where they've been going. Um, mm -hmm. Sasha is an interesting choice because it does add that element of can you trust your friend, which is clearly where this is going. And to me, I mean, I think Shayna Baszler would be a really good choice because I think it would help her recover from WrestleMania. And also this idea of not having the Becky-Shayna rematch, not having that match, but having Becky know that Shayna is always there Lur lurking. Yeah. yeah, while Shayna just goes on a tear and beats everybody else. You know what I mean? Like have a Shayna... Nia Jax rivalry, have a, you know, have, have a Shayna Bianca Belair rivalry on Raw. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot you could do there all the while knowing that at any moment, you know, she can cash in. Yes. I feel like she's one of those people that doesn't necessarily need it. Yeah. So um, I feel like where they're kind of going with Shayna Baszler is one of these things where she's too dangerous for her own good. Mm -hmm. So I like she might do something that ends up costing herself this opportunity at the briefcase, even though she's far and away, or or they pre pre presented her as far and away the most dangerous and the most lethal of the women in the women's division. I feel like she might do something that ultimately is her downfall. So she's almost like she doesn't need the briefcase to be seen as a threat. You right. Know what I'm saying like I feel like she's a threat already. I do think they need to establish other people as a threat, and that's why the Money in the Bank briefcase was so fun because you can literally do that with anybody. Like, yeah. As long as they got that briefcase and that champion is down and the music plays a little bit too long after the victory, <laughs> yeah. lingering a little bit, there's always that, oh, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's I mean, I feel like just because of the way things have gone, it hasn't happened as often in the last couple years. But there was a good, I mean, since the inception of the briefcase, Every single pay-per-view, it would be, well, so they're going to cash in tonight. Tonight's the night yeah. they cash in. When you could hear that from fans every night, and it wasn't like I think. Every single pay-per-view, they knew. Oh, obviously. This is so obvious. And then when they finally did, I told you. <laughs> and they did it. And they do it so well because it's like they always put the champion in these circumstances where it's like, oh, even if even if he won the title – you just never know. He's like, so it'll be like one of these like 
last man standing matches. So every fan will be like, oh, clearly after he wins and he's and he's so super tired, someone's going to cash in yeah. and it doesn't happen. Right. Then it's like, oh, you know, this person could only win by, you know, no disqualification or whatever. Like there's always those provisions that keeps it in the back of the, the, the viewer's head that even if the championship match is over, it's not necessarily over. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's always been the fun part of Money in the Bank. And I don't think Shayna necessarily needs that. I think Shayna is somebody who, granted, you've already made her look like a, a, a monster through an elimination chamber and her short stint on Raw, but she's never not been a monster. Like, yeah. you can still show just how lethal she is without having that briefcase. And, you know, there's no story to tell. I always feel like when you give these people not get when these when i guess when the talent earns their uh these these sort of stipulations like you're the royal rumble winner and the king Mm -hmm. of the ring or whatever like you always use those as storytelling arcs you know what i'm saying like you want baron corbin to win king of the ring so he calls himself king corbin and he becomes even more of an asshole than he was the constable right when you're the Royal Rumble winner, you can tell the story of Drew McIntyre, you know, fighting for 10 years and going through all these people and then going through the biggest, baddest dude in the in the entire company to win it twice. That's a that's a story to tell. With Shannon, it's not necessarily really a story to tell with her in that briefcase because she's already so dangerous. She's already been so dominant. That's why I think the Lacey Evans thing works really well. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Sasha works really well. Um, you know, I want to see Alistair do it. I mean, he's you can kind of see that Alistair and Shane are maybe in the same boat, but Alistair's had a lot more competitive matches. Like, it's not been just like... Well, yeah, and Alistair has that story of, like, you could talk about him being as dominant as he was in NXT because he hasn't been that dominant on the main roster. He's won his matches, but right. it's not like he's in the... He's never been in the WWE or Universal title picture, and he's been right. on the main roster for a year. So that there is a story there where you're like, hey, we need to use this briefcase to establish that this is the level that this guy's playing at. Right, right. And that and that's what it's always been with with uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase. If it's not going to somebody who is a Randy Orton, John Cena, Brock Lesnar type of dude, it's always been somebody where it's like, oh, man, this guy's at such a. He's, he's, he's at such a high level right now. Any moment he could be the dude, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Whether it was like The Miz or Alberto Del Rio or Dolph Ziggler, they weren't necessarily the main attraction, but like nobody could deny that at that point that they got that briefcase, nobody was like outperforming them. Right. And right now you can kind of say that about Alistair Black. Like nobody's really outperforming this dude right now. So, um, you know, I could I could definitely see it going his way. Hey, you know, I don't know if you picked up on this, but something interesting. They announced, I don't think they announced it on SmackDown officially, but I saw on social media it was announced that at Money in the Bank, they're doing Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Not the, mm. fiend, not the fiend Bray Wyatt, Just but Bray Br- Wyatt. The Bray Wyatt that, uh, that that had a match with The Miz. So it's like the, the graphic posted is Sweater, Firefly mm. Funhouse, Bray Wyatt. Um which I think is interesting. You know, I think, uh, first, I think it's difficult. It's difficult to do a match, another match with The Fiend right now and not have it be on the level of that Firefly Funhouse. So maybe this is a bit of a buffer. Maybe, you know, I was sitting here last week, I was talking, I think last week, I was talking about on the podcast how I really wish that Cesaro were the opponent for Braun Strowman because we kind of know, right? Like, it wouldn't make sense 
for Braun Strowman to lose the title already. Like to right. go to Money in the Bank and lose the title, it's like, what are we like? Come on, guys. Like, what? Why we could have figured out something else here. What are we? Why did you do that? You're, you're now. Now it cheapens the title. It just makes everything more complicated. So whether you want Braun Strowman to be the champion or not, I don't think it makes any sense for him to lose the title at Money in the Bank. Um, and I also, to me, I was like, it doesn't make sense to have the Fiend lose any more matches, right? So yeah. I was like, you know, Braun Strowman has history with Cesaro. He's got history with the Artist Collective. Sami Zayn pinned Braun Strowman to take his last title, so you can already plant that seed of doubt. We all kind of know that Braun Strowman is going to win, but we also kind of knew that Braun Strowman was going to beat Sami Zayn, and he didn't. So right. so I, I feel like that would give kind of fans the chance to finally see Cesaro in a main event. It would make it so that Braun Strowman could have a title win, you know, without people being like, what the hell just happened? And it would preserve the Fiend character. But I guess the move that is being made is to try to preserve that fiend character by having Bray Wyatt be the opponent and not Braun Strowman. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I would ride with you on that. If it wasn't for like that Goldberg outlier where, you know, he just kind of, I, I don't know. The, the, the fiends kind of like give the match away. Cause like right after the spirit, he popped up and it was like, ah, okay, well here's, here's my thing with the fiend though. And this is, I don't know. I should have clarified this with you. This is a rule on the podcast. Um, uh, we don't talk about Helena Sal and we don't talk about Goldberg. <laughs> so, and that actually, and by the way, I had that idea before WWE had the idea. You uh, know, if you've noticed, it's never, ever been mentioned. They don't mention it ever again. Which is the perfect thing. And I said, I was like, look, I like literally minutes after <laughs> Super Showdown or whatever pay-per-view it was went off the air. I was like, okay, guys, let's calm down. I understand <laughs> this is a tough time for all of us, but here's what we could do to get by. And I'll bet you this is what WWE does. We are to never mention Goldberg again in the context of beating the Fiend. We can talk about the fact that he's the champion. We can oh, talk about happens. yeah, that yeah. Definitely yeah. That definitely happens where we're like, okay, we did this thing, we're gonna do it, and then we're never gonna talk about it again. Like, yes, we, yes. We can, talk, we can talk all the way around it, but we never say X beat X for X. No, it's a means to an end. We have to get to a place where this person is in this position. In order to get there, he has to beat this guy. But once he's in this position, we're not going to tell you how he got there. It just <laughs> that's it. So it have, like it's like Poochie when he was on Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> yeah. like, go back to my home planet. <laughs> it's very, oh, it's very Poochie. But that's an uh, arg that's also a rule we have here on the podcast. We don't bring up Helena Cell. All, the only time I know that Seth Rollins and, and The Fiend met, it's when The Fiend won the title. I don't I don't know any other time. And also, <laughs> I believe that The Fiend's Universal Championship did, as you said, get on a spaceship and go back to its home planet. I don't I don't remember any match with Goldberg. Sure a few months later. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm not mad at your Cesaro um, uh, pick. I do think fans are a little sick of seeing Cesaro kind of be like the jobber to the stars, though. You I know see. what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. You know, at this point, everybody knows he's, at worst, one of the top five pure pro wrestlers on the planet. And, you know, even if he has a good match, even if he has a good show and if he wins or loses, it never really affects him. It doesn't lower him, but it doesn't elevate him. He's just kind of there, right? And I feel like the next time you want to use Cesaro for one of these uh, spots, you, you gotta you gotta give him the shot. Like you gotta like pull the trigger on him one of these days. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like 
I feel like they've gotten something good with the Artist Collective because I think Sammy's doing some fantastic work as as a as a talker and as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, I think you know Shinsuke is going to be Shinsuke. He's he's a cult favorite for everybody. And even if like you're a guy who just got hip to him when he came to WWE, Shinsuke is Teflon. Like he's never going to not be like that cool fucking like rock star like weird looking dude to the to us internet guys we just love him mm-hmm. but cesaro is a guy where like they they you want them to kind of pull a trigger on him at this point you know what i'm saying like on something it doesn't have to be a universal title it doesn't have to be a world title it has to be something where it's like oh he's like a, he's a threat like he's, he's 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 the dude you know what i mean and it's like even if it's you know, you kind of thought it was going to happen when he split with Sheamus and he got, like, the whole new, like, really cool, like, cyborg wrestling machine gimmick uh, going on. Um, but at some point, you got to pull the trigger with him, and that's why I, I feel a little weird about it. The Bray Wyatt thing, you can definitely protect him yeah. because I feel like with everything with Bray Wyatt, I don't think he even really does matches anymore. He just kind of, like, tells stories. Right. And it kind of feels like this is going down that same road where – you know, the the winning of the Bray's so good at talking, he could convince you that winning the match wasn't important. Mm-hmm. And, and like he got, I meant to do that. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, even with the whole the the, the event that shall not be named uh, happened. <laughs> Thank you. Like he kind of spun it into a way where it was like, you know, it was it was important to do this because I had to take care of what made me this way. And that was John Cena and it was WrestleMania. And it was like, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. That makes sense. All right. All right. We can get a great John Cena match, and we can never talk ever. about what else ever happened ever again. Ever. Never again. Oh my. Um, with Braun, though, as the Universal t- uh, Champion, I feel like now is like a really good time for him to um, elevate some guys. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the Bray story could have been told a little later yes. because, you know, they have so much history. And I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to end up Money in the Bank. I'm sure they'll have like one or two or three matches until a blow, like a real big blow off in the summertime. But I do feel like there's a time where he could kind of use his, you know, it's rare when we have like a big giant as a champion. Right. So every match, it's especially a babyface giant as a champion, right? So like it's a little bit harder and a little bit more difficult to, you know, tell these empathetic stories about a guy who is bigger and stronger than everybody he's going to wrestle, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, that's a time where you could really elevate some other guys and not just look at Braun as, like, a worthy competitor and as a worthy champion, but at the same time, you could see these probably undersized dudes or guys that aren't as big as Braun Strowman get that rub just for giving, just bringing the fight to him. You know what I'm saying? Like you got guys on, on, on SmackDown that, you know, it's their roster's so deep. You know what I mean? I feel like I haven't seen Shorty G in months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I haven't seen, you know, a lot of guys in months, you know, I feel like they've been building Sheamus up for a while. I think Sheamus could have been like a really good, uh, you know, universal title competitor instead of Bray Wyatt, because I feel like right now, even though Bray Wyatt's not like a baby face, we still kind of like him. You yeah, know what I, I mean? I've, I've called him uh, a non-traditional heel. I believe he's a horror movie heel in the sense that Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees is the heel, right? But when Friday the 13th Part 2 comes out, nobody's going to see the counselor that survived. 
They're right. going to see Jason. Exactly. People, that's it's the a, guy that you want to see. I always said like Final Destination and like all these horror movies are like death mixtapes. <laughs> it's like, I'm not really trying to see like, you know, the, the, the bad guy lose. I'm trying to see how many crazy ways right. he can kill people. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what Bray Wyatt is to me now. Like how many crazy ways can he like, you know, flip these guys, right? Because right. it feels like ever since, you know, he kind of became the fiend, everybody that he comes in contact with becomes a different person afterwards. Yes. So it's like Seth became different, Finn, The Miz, Daniel. Uh, John Cena doesn't even exist anymore. John Cena just really just evaporated and went back to his home planet. <laughs> but what is going to change? And maybe I guess because he's going in as Bray. Right. It's not going to change Braun yet. But it still piques my interest because that's kind of been the, the common theme and the common thread there. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, if you want more from Kaz, which I'm sure at this point you do, the podcast is Say Less with Kaz. I mean, you're dropping podcasts like pretty much every day, right? Monday through Friday. <laughs> My God. New guests, new episodes. I'm going to have you on the show one of these days. Anytime. So it's on tape right now, so you can't back out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> just don't hang up that Skype. Um, yeah, you've had uh, you've had lots of wrestling guests, though. You had Leo Rush. Unfortunately, you had Leo Rush like a day before. Literally the day before. Yeah, the like, day before the release, but still. Right after Right after we were done, we were like, you know, I'm kind of having a, a feeling that this might be it for me. I'm like, really? You think so? We just had this whole thing. And then it was Black Wednesday the very next day. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. So Leo Rush was on. Uh, Ricochet's been on. I saw Corey Graves has been on. You've done uh, a bunch of wrestling stuff. You do music stuff. You do sports stuff. You do uh, everything. Everything. Just a slice of life. Yeah, I feel like this 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 show has really been... Uh, you know, a culmination of all the, the, the crazy things I've kind of done with my career. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've, I've jumped in so many different paths for a while. I've never had like a, a hub to kind of like control it all. It's always kind of been like a one at a time thing, whether it's music or sports or wrestling or podcasting. Like it's always kind of been like each, they've all each had their specific time and never at once. And Say Less is a show that um, I'm really trying to build my own sort of uh, content and cultural ecosystem that people like me really gravitate towards. It's like, do you like wrestling? Do you like hip hop music? Do you like sports? Do you like, uh, you know, porn stars? Do you like food? Like all these just, it's just interesting people and conversations and being able to get things out of folks that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily get from the traditional media run that they usually go on. Right. So um, obviously with everything going on in the world, it's kind of forced my hand to be a daily show and, uh, you know, kind of work kind of remotely like we're doing right now. But obviously when things get back to normal, there'll be a whole big studio set up. There'll be, you know, special guests coming through and I'm really, really trying to put all my efforts into it. So Say Less With Kaz is the name of the podcast. If you like watching it too, you can go to youtube.com slash Kazim. That's my YouTube page and uh, all that good stuff. Love it. Always good talking to you. We'll have to do this more often, man. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, man. Excellent. Just uh, keep me away. From, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure Montez isn't around so he doesn't. Uh, Dude, <laughs> nuclear heat. <laughs> nuclear heat. Man, the wife, Sam. I, look, nice to people. Look. Just be nice. You're a nice guy. It shouldn't be hard for you. When, be nice to people. When, when I... When I did the kickoff show with Wale, I said something about the Street Profits, and I was just going at because Wale was obviously in support of him. And I was just yeah. going after him. I was like, how could you even say that when they've been doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, and I was really, I mean, I do tell how I feel. Like, I'm not doing yeah. a character, you know? Yeah. 
And so, and right after the thing, while just leaned into me, he was like, "Bro, you're 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 too. That was too much for me. You're too good at this. this is, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't come at me like that, man." He's nice, bro. <laughs> Hey, I get it. Like I, I get what you're doing, but uh, uh, you're, you're a good man, Sam. I want everyone to to know you how I know you. You know what? They don't deserve it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, Kaz. We'll talk soon. Anytime, brother. Take it easy, man. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.